Welcome to Jags Drive Time with Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. We know who will be the next coach of the Jags. Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson down in Jacksonville. He understands how to build a sound organization with structure, being able to basically build from the ground up. These guys want to win. I mean, bottom line, they want to win, and it's got to be about football. Do you feel like you're behind the eight ball in terms of putting together a a staff? No. Confidence-wise, then, and being able to assemble? Very high. Our very first episode of The Hunt of this offseason comes out this Thursday, and we are very excited for it. You will not get better access of what is going on inside this building than watching The Hunt, so tune in this Thursday. Welcome into Jaguars Drive Time. Ashlyn, Brian, and John here on a Tuesday morning, and I laugh every single time that sound clip is played of Mark Long's question. Yeah, it's... Um... It's always he, good. He, he he purposefully came in and wanted to exude the sort of confidence that he wants in his team. Yeah. To an organization that lacks it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it fit so perfectly, um, and it didn't take a lot of effort to just be himself. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was a legitimate question. In Mark's defense, who I've known for a long time, they had hired a coach late, and he was asking if they were behind the eight ball mm-hmm. a lot time-wise. But uh, Doug Peterson's been around. He knew at the time that he could get uh, the staff he wanted. I'm sure at that point that he was sitting there talking to Mark in that question, uh, if he had 18 staffers instead of the 75 we had last year, but if he had <laughs> if he had 18 uh, coaches, he probably had 12 or 13 of them oh, already picked. We so right. he knew what the staff came together. Right. I mean, right. it didn't require three weeks to get. He it was done. making phone calls before that case. Oh yeah, yeah. but it's. Doug talked with you, I think, in Indianapolis and talked about coming in and being himself and that being enough to, yeah. you know, to convince people of what they were building here. Well, that that's him. Mm-hmm. And it was exactly what this franchise needed at that moment. It was a very legitimate question, but it was a timely answer um, speaking to who Doug Peterson is, a guy who knows what to do, how to do it. If you haven't listened to his book yet or, or read it, do it. Yes, It will give you great insight into him. Absolutely. Let's get into big things, shall we? Big thing one is the franchise tag. The deadline is today at 4 p.m. to place the tag on someone. We've seen other teams do so this morning. Do we expect this to happen at Cam Robinson or possibly DJ Chark? NFL Network Cynthia Freeland is, like many, waiting to see what happens with Cam Robinson and how it impacts the entire draft. Well, are you gonna? Are you guys gonna tell me who you're re-signing in free agency? Because is Cam Robinson coming back or not? Because you know, like, because I think Evan Neal, if that's who I would pick for you guys. Mm-hmm. But if you pay for your tackle, then I would probably say you need a pass rusher. So it's either gonna be Aiden Hutchinson or Evan Neal is kind of who right now. But of course, we'll learn more this week, and mm-hmm. the defense hasn't even started yet. So mm-hmm. we'll. There's still more to still more to do. Yeah. Big thing, too, like Cynthia just said, the Jaguars could go many directions in the draft. Could it be offensive lineman Evan Evan Neal? Could it be John's guy, Icky? Maybe Aiden Hutchinson? As of now, many people are thinking offensive line as of now. It certainly seems like there's a heck of a consensus on it, right? Mm -hmm. I keep hearing Evan Neal's name from from Alabama. He's a pretty big deal around I keep hearing that a lot, right? It will be interesting because not only is he in the mix, what about an Icky? Iguano mm-hmm. out of out of out of North Carolina State. 
That's another guy that's going to be in this mix here as they turn and evaluate it when you get, you know, uh, as, as, you know, as you go through the whole process and what Doug Peterson's going to want for his offense. Charles Cross from Mississippi State is another big offensive tackle. We're locked in on those guys because Trevor Lawrence must be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And it's not a year where, to me, you're looking at that offensive line as Cincinnati did last year and said, we've got someone on our roster by the name of Jonah Williams has been hurt. People don't talk about it, but we're going to take Jamar Chase instead because we think Jonah Williams will hold up. This feels a lot more like Jacksonville, mm -hmm. almost certainly headed towards big people. And finally, Big Thing 3 is moving on. We can officially check off the Combine off the list, and now we get ready for free agency, which starts next week. And from Trent Balky's comments, we're getting ready for a pretty busy week around here. No, the plan's aggressive. I think, you know, the, the, again, the fan base expects it, the fan base. But we're going to be smart. We're not just going to go make a move to make it uh, because the, the locker and th and this is what fans don't see a lot of times, you know, the players in those locker rooms, they know what's going on and they know a good player from right. a bad player. Turn on the film, they see it. Yeah, the first one's doing that. So yeah. just because you go out and make a splash in free agency and everybody gets excited, how often do those players turn out to be difference makers? And there you have it. Those are big things. Let's go all the way back up to big thing one. The franchise tag deadline is this afternoon. We have not heard anything. I think I can kind of speak for everyone. We don't expect it to happen. But if it does, wouldn't be surprised, especially if it's Cam Robinson. I'd be surprised. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think if you're going to work, if you, if you look at where you're at, the draft is a unique situation. You have the opportunity, I think, to improve yourself at offensive tackle and get a lot less expensive. Um, I don't know why with the dearth of tackles um i don't know why you wouldn't do that um but so i would be surprised if they did it i wouldn't be surprised if they announced new deals for them mm -hmm. right if you're going to keep cam if you're going to keep dj chark like we uh, talked about in jaguars reporters yesterday i wouldn't be surprised at that but i think the tag would surprise me because the amount you'd be committing on another one-year deal when a distinct opportunity to improve yourself and to get less expensive is sitting right in front of you yeah it, it would uh I guess I'm 50-50, which is bad TV. You're supposed to have a take. But <laughs> I could see them franchising Cam and then working out a new deal. Uh, that would be more the route I would expect. I would not expect him to play on the tag. I could easily see sometimes the franchise tag is used as a tool to give you some time to go ahead and uh, That's the design get a long-term deal. Uh, you know, I guess I still see and think that there is a strong school of thought for keeping Cam and then going a different direction other than left tackle in the draft. Uh, they haven't given much of a clue as to how they feel about the offensive line on that front. They're going to be operating. Uh, I don't have a good vibe for how much they like or don't like Cam Robinson. Right. Well, here's, here's my question, I guess you could say, is if you don't use the franchise tag and you still give Cam a new deal and you still draft Evan Neal, I heard that situation played out on 1010XL, and, and I thought to myself, okay, well, is that kind of a waste then? No, totally. Right. Because you drafted Walker Little last year. Right. You still have and Juwan now, Taylor. I mean, I get the options for offensive line. That's great to have options. But at that point, I see that as a waste of money almost. But I think if they totally did agree. that, I don't think they would sign Cam to a long-term deal. I think if, if they did that, that would be a franchise tag Cam, and then you draft Evan Neal with the idea of playing him inside for a year and then moving him out when Cam leaves. 
Uh, it's a school thought. Uh, the Ravens did that at one point with uh, playing Ogden inside. They played him at guard. But if, they had Tony Jones, who was making $4 million a year back then. If you are hell-bent this year on we are going to have the best offensive line this year and then continue that build, that's not an absurd scenario for a one-year deal when you've got the cap space they have. But I don't think they'll do it. But, but if you have so many needs and you want to use that cap space to attack other needs, free agency is a good place to do that. There's not a Jamar Chase, as Charles Davis mentioned, in this year's wide receiver group. Right. Um, but there are some difference-making kind of guys, apparently, who are going to hit the market. Maybe you'd rather spend your money there than on another tackle. Right. This remains a fascinating area that I'm not sure I can ever remember this many moving parts in the Jaguars' offensive line. If you do these things we're talking about, does that automatically mean you walk a little on the right side, or which he's – a left tackle. Yeah. You know, can he play a right tackle? Are you bringing Brandon Linder back? Are you – I assume you're letting Andrew Norwell go. Well, everybody, I assume that, but they haven't said that. Right. So there's a lot of moving parts, especially Linder and Jawan Taylor, who people aren't really talking about their future. I don't know their future, but it's going to come out to play in the next week or so. Well, those are the two guys, right? Yeah. I mean, the other three guys, A.J. Can, free agent, mm-hmm. Norwell, free agent, Cam Robinson, free agent. So you're talking about massive turnover on the offensive line. I don't know. I don't know where you go with this, but I think you can do yourself a real solid by drafting Neil, moving little. I mean, I think you can create a scenario where you, I just don't, I, the Robinson and then Neil thing, I don't see that. Mm-hmm. Do you worry then if that's the case where you have Neil and then walk a little on the other side, is the offensive line too young in that scenario? I don't think you can be too young yeah. on the offensive line. Not when you'd be very talented. Good. Yeah. Uh, you can be too not good. Which, right. But I think that would be a scenario where I would feel like they're pretty good. Uh, two young tackles. You know, it, I guess if Evan Neal's worth the number one overall pick, that shouldn't be a concern. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Let's quickly talk about DJ Chark with the franchise tag. We don't expect that to happen. DJ Chark looking for big money, looking for that big contract. Not sure if the Jaguars are going to pay him that big money. We'd like to see a deal worked out where it can come in the middle. I don't know if we're going to expect that with DJ Chark. All it takes is one. And every year, there's a player that surprises with the money he gets. Yeah. The, the, all the, the red flags about Chark are there, right? Has done it one time, has struggled with injuries. Um, but somebody will look at his frame. They'll look at his speed. They'll talk to him and get a feel for the kind of person he is. And we all know he's a fantastic human being. Mm-hmm. And say, this is worthy investment. And write him a big check. Yeah. Here's the... Again, I keep going back to the concern. and I don't really expect them to retain DJ... I hope they do, and, you know, I sort of think it would be a good move uh, for these reasons. He's really had one significant injury, and it was an ankle, and there's no reason you can't come back from that. I don't sense DJ Chark is injury-prone. I think he was really saddled in 2020 with a difficult quarterback situation. Yeah. I think he excelled in a weird quarterback situation in, in 2019, and he was like a lot of different guys as a rookie who just sort of took a while to get. So a strong argument can be made. I keep going back. I think he's going to be a better year five through eight receiver than he was uh, year one through year four. If you believe four. that, keep him. Yeah, I, but, um, but at the same token, the people making decisions here, Trent Baalke included and a lot of personnel people, they haven't seen DJ mm-hmm. when they're with the team have a huge year. So it's – 
I'll give you a scenario. This is like. tricky. This is really tricky. Go get me Allen Robinson to put on the other side because he's that alpha who will mm-hmm. fight. He's got the physical nature to his game that I don't believe the DJ Chark does. Let Chark be the guy that goes down the field. Let Allen Robinson be the guy that goes across the middle. Oh, I, I, I'd like and draft someone. I'd yeah. like that, right? But that means you and DJ Chark need to come to an agreement oh, on no, the with, money aspect a, with, of it. Which means yeah. how much money can you spend on wide receivers? Right. Right? See, and I just – here's the scenario that I see playing out with DJ. I think the Jaguars would like him back at a certain number, and they're going to go to him with a number, and he's going to say, well, his, his people are going to say, why should we take that number? Because there's going to be teams interested. They're going to be above that number. Mm-hmm. And I think the Jaguars are going to say, well, thanks, but no thanks. That's absolutely what happened with Allen Robinson. Right. Yeah. When he left And here. then you have the fear that he goes and becomes a superstar Which for another team. Which Allen did in yep. Chicago. Absolutely. So, yes, it'll be tricky, to say the least. That is big things. When we come back on Jaguars Drive Time, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus joins us on the Jaguars Digital Network. We're back, Jaguars Drive Time. It is Tuesday morning. We are a couple days off of the NFL Combine, and this man was very busy last week. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus joins us now. Mike, good morning. Hey, thanks for having me on. Still busy here. Absolutely. The grind never stopped pre-draft. Yes, we are in draft season officially. And speaking of draft, the Jaguars have the number one overall pick, obviously, and we heard so many options at the Combine offensive line, Hutchinson, what avenue do you foresee the Jaguars going down? And really, who's the best player, in your opinion? My opinion, the best player is Aiden Hutchinson. And when you're a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars that has needs littered all over that roster, I think you just got to lean best player. There are other avenues. I get that you wanted to help out Trevor Lawrence, but to me, there are other avenues to doing that that aren't just using that number one overall pick on that player. To me, Aiden Hutchinson proves that he is an elite edge rusher at the Combine. Obviously, on tape, his tape is night and day from literally anyone else in this draft class on the edge. You saw that Ohio State game. You saw that Iowa game. The way he dominated was Chase Young-esque in terms of how he took over. Um, and, and then he, maybe he didn't blaze the fastest 40, but his 10 split, you know, get off to 10 yards down the field in that 40 was the same as Trayvon Walker's. He ran a 4-5-1, which is all you really need defensive end. You really only need to go 10 yards. And his three cone was almost identical to Von Miller's at six foot seven, 260. This guy can turn. This guy has that agility that you want off the edge. And to me, He's the safest thing in the draft. And with the Jaguars and the way they've drafted the past few years, they just need a W at this point. Hey, Mike, where did the first round grades end in the first round this year? I mean, I think last year I remember hearing that between pick eight and pick 40, there wasn't that much differentiation at any given position. Where, how many difference makers are there, truly elite players in this draft? That's the thing. This year's draft does not have nearly as many as last year's did. If you think back to last year, you went to pick like, 13 like Michael Parsons comes off the board at 12 you had Rashawn Slater at 13 those guys were pro bowlers you know year one which rarely happens and those guys were they weren't even thought of as you know, no one's even regretting it because the guys Jamar Chase Penny Sewell the guys drafted ahead of them were league too so to me there's really only a couple I'd call blue chip prospects at their respective positions as Aiden Hutchinson and Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame the safety like those are guys that are rare for their respective positions and there's a lot of guys who are in that first round mix. So if once you get past the top few picks, I think the difference between like a, you know, everyone's talking about this tackle class, but like an Ike Aquanu and say a Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa isn't too dissimilar. So the first round grades to me end somewhere around the mid 20s, but this is a deep class on day two. I think second and third round grades, we had over 80 guys in that mix. So there's a lot of talent 
once you get past sort of like where the Jaguars would be drafted in the second round, third round, there's a lot of guys that should still be available to them. Mike, speaking of that uh, second round pick, I'm assuming that the Jaguars are going to be taking receiver there. That could be wrong, but that's my assumption. How strong is this group right around that area? And sort of secondly, uh, is this is this a case where you can get a pretty good wide receiver at the top of the third, or do you need to go top of the second to address that? Top of the third, I could see the class being cooked. The top of the second has been like the sweet spot in recent years, if you think about it. That's where Debo Samuel came off the board. That's where T. Higgins, Michael Pittman came off the board. That's where Elijah Moore came off the board last year. Like there's been a lot of wide receiver talent that has been kind of NFL ready and could even be your number one type of wide receivers that come off the board in the second. But by the third, not nearly as many once you get to there. Um, people still do well of identifying the athletes that win at that position. And they do go highly. So top of the second round, there could be like a Jahan Dotson. I could see a Chris Olave being on the board, maybe like a Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. There will be a lot of talent there that it's going to be, and even more so in this year's class than even last year's class, where you have a bunch of different body types. Last year was a lot of undersized guys that were coming off the board in round two. This year you have, you know, six foot three, uh, George Pickens from Georgia, who would have probably gone first round had he been healthy this year. You have Justin Ross from Clemson, who had over a thousand yards as a true freshman. Like you have, and he's six foot four. Like you have a lot of different body types that I think will still be on the board there where they're picking the top of the second round. It makes too much sense to give your quarterback some help there. Hey, Mike, outside of Aiden Hutchinson, whose virtues you've already extolled, who's your favorite player in this draft? I mean, regardless, first round, second round, day three, who's someone that you've fallen in love with for their production, the type of person they are, what you saw from them in Indianapolis? Well, the guy hasn't really even been talked about because I think he's everyone's favorite player, and it's Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. He's so unique in that he's six foot four, two twenty. The amount of safeties that are playing in the NFL today, six foot four, two twenty. I don't think there are any. Like he, he is a unique size, speed, explosiveness athlete at that position. And to me, he's very like very much like Isaiah Simmons coming out in that he's gonna be coveted for his versatility. But to me, he's so much smoother than Isaiah Simmons. Uh, so much more productive in terms of getting his hand on the football at the collegiate level that I don't really care where you play him. Whoever does draft him, I think he's going to be a productive player. All kinds of options at number one overall, a good place to be for the Jaguars. Mike, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for joining Jags Drive Time. For sure. Thanks for having me on. You guys have a good one. Absolutely. When we come back on the Jaguars Digital Network, we have Sell Us on Your Pick. The guys we just talked about, we're going to sell you on those options. Coming back. The time is now to renew your 2022 Jaguar season tickets. Coach Doug Peterson and quarterback Trevor Lawrence are here, so don't miss a second of the action. Go to Jaguars.com to renew today. We're back, Jaguars drive time. We are a couple days off of the NFL Combine where we have learned a lot about these prospects, the options at number one overall, and we are going to sell you on our pick and Brian is up with a guy who's very popular. Well, I mean, how could you not? I mean, can we just re-rack what Mike Renner said about Aiden Hutchinson? Six foot seven, 260 pounds, was stupendous in the uh, the three-cone drill, which is a great measurement for how a guy moves and changes direction and can pursue, you know, a, a quarterback or a, a running back. The guy's a tremendous football player. Um, made for the game, right? Father Chris was... Uh, Big Ten player of the year kind of guy. Uh, didn't get much time in the NFL, but grew up loving 
Michigan played at Michigan, productive at Michigan, dominated last year. If you want a playmaker, and you don't think about offensive tackles being a playmaker, this is your guy. This is the guy who can change a game in a heartbeat. Um, Evan Neal uh, or Icky Aquanu is probably the you know the guy that gives you the chance to dominate and let playmakers go. But if you want to put a guy on the field and want highlights, this is it. He's a double-digit sack guy um, from the get-go, and he's got a a J.J. Uh, Watt quality about mm-hmm. him, right? He's always working. You know, J.J. Watt would would um, go to practice and then he'd go lift, and then he'd go to the second practice and go lift, and then he lift on his off days. He was always doing something uh, to create the best outcome for himself. It feels like it with this guy connecting with Tom Brady before his career really even starts to get on the right track with the TB12 and the food and all of that stuff yep. that, that, um, that creates longevity. Uh, and Tom Brady's a great model for longevity. So I'm impressed with him. If you put his hand on the ground immediately, especially with Josh Allen on the other side, you have got a dynamic combination of pass rush that will make your football team better. It will put your quarterback in a great situation because he'll flip the field. He'll get a sack strip, and he'll give you the ball at a moment when you need it most. Mm-hmm. He's that kind of a guy. So if he's the number one overall pick, people should be really excited. Yeah, and and I just keep Trent Baalke in San Francisco made hay with pass rushers. He likes pass rushers. He's, he likes disruptive defensive linemen. I just keep seeing scenarios in my mind where this is the pick and somehow they uh, go different directions on the offensive line. But that's Brian's pick for today, so I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to go with my guy, Icky, don't call me Icky, Iquino. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think there's not that much of a difference between him and Evan Neal at tackle. Uh, what has happened this week, if you notice, you've had post-combine reversal all these mock drafters who were assuming it was Evan Neal have gone. Icky's a great interview. Mm-hmm. He worked out at the Combine. He's a mean guy. He's tough. So all of a sudden, everybody's mocking Icky to the Jags. I don't know that anything has really changed from the Combine from their perspective. I like this guy in terms of his aggressiveness. I like him in terms of all of the things that you like in an offensive tackle. I like his personality. If they drafted him, I would have zero problem with it. I just keep going back to it. To me, I just can't get away from this thing that I see an edge rusher standing on the podium for this team in, in April. But if it's a tackle, I could easily see Icky. My you know, Aquanu, uh, your guy, uh, reminds me his game tape, right, from North Carolina State, reminds me of Quentin Nelson's tape at Notre Dame. He was a nasty finisher. Mm-hmm. He never let anyone get up off the ground without letting him know I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love watching Quentin Nelson play. Who likes watching guards play? Well, when it's that guy, you watch it. <laughs> Same thing with him. His tape is fantastic. Um, you know, he doesn't have the height and the length measurables that a guy like Evan Neal does, mm-hmm. but he's got the intangible that seek and destroy quality that made Tony Baselli great, that is making Quentin Nelson great. Um, if that's him, Great. Mm-hmm. All great options. You met, mentioned those measurables. Evan Neal, six foot seven, three hundred and thirty-seven pounds, but does not move like it. This is your number one overall pick. At least I'm arguing for it after the combine. Everyone's talking about it, and that's what makes me hesitate because the combine talk you always hear, oh well, this is the pick, and then it never works out that way. So I'm a little hesitant with this. Mentioned the Iowa tight ends a couple years ago. We were for sure the Jaguars are going to take Hutchinson, and then Josh Allen falls to them, and things always shake up that way. 
but you wouldn't be upset if Evan Neal is on the podium in April because this is going to be your left tackle. We talk about the versatility he has on the offensive lines, played a couple positions. You're drafting him to be your left tackle, and you're happy about it because we've talked all year about giving Trevor Lawrence weapons, protecting Trevor Lawrence. It's pretty obvious that's priority number one here in this building, in this city. Here's your option. Protect Trevor Lawrence with this guy. Yeah, the thing that Renner said that really resonated uh, to me and that people were talking about at the Combine, and it applies to all three of these players. The Jaguar, in a year where there is not really an absolute standout, uh, you know, there are questions about all three of these guys. And you hear wondering at the Combine if any of them are truly generational in the way that Chase Young, uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Bosa, guys who, you know, sort of look like Hall of Famers right from the start. I mean, you know, Trevor doesn't look like that yet, but you know my point. Sure. Um, in a year where there's not that, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, from what a lot of people talk about, seems to be the safer out of the three. So, again, I wonder if Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson might eventually go that direction, knowing, hey, we need to make sure this guy is at least good. We can't miss on this. That was a talk about Hutchinson, is that he was the most like that of any of the three guys. Just throw it out there, Schlen. If you you grade these three players and one guy has a higher grade than the other two, take that guy. Right. Because these are both positions of need because they're going to be good football players, if not, you know, um, uh, you know, generational Mm -hmm. talents. And you can't go wrong. I mean, there's, there's, what was it we talked about yesterday? There's, there's a couple key positions, right? The quarterback, the guy who protects him, the guy that rushes him, the receiver he throws to, and the guy who covers him, right? So left tackle, defensive end, corner, wide receiver, and quarterback. You got to be great there if you're going to be a great football team. Mm-hmm. Um, the three guys we talked about fit those two positions. Yeah, and the more we talk about it and what we heard from the combine, when you ask draft analysts who's the best athlete, they all say Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. And Charles Davis made a great point. Okay, well – if you're the Jaguars and you know you need an offensive lineman, could that be seen as reaching when you're not taking the best athlete on the board? When you put it that way, okay, then maybe Hutchinson is the right pick at that point. He's got the highest grade taken. Yep. So that is sell us on your number one overall pick. All great options for the Jaguars. We're going to talk about this at great length until April. Stay with us on Jaguars Drive Time. We're back, Jaguars drive time on a Tuesday. Busy week around here. We have the Huddle Up podcast tomorrow with Bucky Brooks, John Osher, and J.P. Shadrick. Happy hour on Thursday. The first episode of The Hunt comes out on Thursday, so definitely stay tuned to that. And we'll be back next Tuesday getting you ready for a very busy week with free agency approaching. So stay with us on Jaguars.com and have a great week.